to be here. I, uh, here's the thing. I am at a point in my gender transition where a trace amount of sexism is also really validating for me. <laughs> and I don't know how to feel about that as a person. Because like, as a feminist, when someone is sexist, I want to be like, you shouldn't do that. But as a lady who needs to be seen as who she is, I'm like, thanks for being inclusive, though. It's really cool of you. <laughs> like, I got catcalled for the first time recently, and that was awesome that one time only. <laughs> it was great. I was walking through a neighborhood on the way to a show. A guy was playing guitar. He saw me. He goes, hey, girl, you like music? And I do like music, you guys. <laughs> but I also like not being stabbed. So <laughs> I just kept on walking, and then his buddy goes, hey, man, that's not a girl. And I was like, I'm going to get stabbed. This is a sad story all of a sudden. <laughs> But it was fine. What happened was the guy said, hey, man, it's not a girl. And then he added, that's a woman. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Except I don't know how to respond to that exact scenario because that has never been given to me in any cultural form. Like, the only response that I could come up with was to stop, flip my hair, and name a shampoo. It's like, hey, man, that's not a girl. That's a woman. And then I'm like, Faria by L'Oreal. <laughs> that's my coquettish pose. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe she had to convince some doctors to diagnose her with gender dysphoria and then pay for hormones. And... <laughs> then pay a fee to a judge to have her name and gender legally changed in the state of California and on her passport. <laughs> For the listening audience, I just flipped my hair in that same coquettish way that I did earlier that you also did not see in your audio recording of this podcast. <laughs> it's fine. I, my hair is growing in. It's great. Uh, I have, I've been on, I've been on hormones now for like a little over two years and like the two things that have happened since I've been on estrogen because nothing's happening with the rest of my body it's getting kind of annoying but like this is growing in really great and I now have female orgasms those are the two things that I got from hormones so I'm kind of okay with the trade-off like <laughs> like because I like I, I come real hard now and I have a full head of hair which is what dudes my age take pills for anyway so <laughs> Feels like a good trade. Like I, that's the thing. Like the universe gave me this awesome, glorious head of curls. Every everyone I know tells me they wish they had my curls. It's awesome. Uh, and I, like I'm like I think it's the universe's way of being like, hey, we know you've had to deal with like three decades of race of sexism, anti-Semitism, and transphobia and homophobia, but we're gonna give you some rocking curls in your 30s. <laughs> and you know what? Fair enough, universe. I accept your bargain. This is fine. <laughs> I do have the orgasm thing happening. It's weird. People don't understand. That's a th I didn't know that was a thing that could happen to me. Like, I didn't. I didn't. I thought I was just, like, done with sex when I got done. Like, that's fine. Because when I was transitioning, I was being handed a piece of paper by a doctor that was explaining what was going to happen to my body to me. And the only information it had about sex was you will no longer, you most likely will no longer enjoy sex in a traditional way. Uh... Perhaps you and a partner goes, there are other ways you can enjoy sex. Perhaps you and a partner can explore those together. <laughs> Y'all, that is not information. <laughs> At best, that is a well wish. <laughs> if you got in your car tomorrow and you asked your GPS how to get to Trader Joe's, and it was like, well, there's lots of routes you can take to get to Trader Joe's. <laughs> And perhaps you and a navigator can explore those together. <laughs> I 
that is not directions, that is a game of Oregon Trail. <laughs> not going to guess it's Trader Joe's because he didn't bring enough oxen and he died of dysentery. Uh, it's so what happens basically is that the 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 parts of the of humans are mostly the same and they just get like formed based on what hormones you have in the womb so like like for a while you're the same and then you, you get you hit by stuff and then you either get like an innie or an Audi, right for the most part um i got an Audi, big mistake trying to fix that but now uh you the thing is the skin on the head of the penis is the same skin that's used to make the clitoris in the womb and uh and you fire enough estrogen at that particular spot for a couple of years, and suddenly everything starts to happen in a way that it really should. Uh, and that is my way of explaining to you that right now I am rocking a clitoris on a pole. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? I have a G-spot that literally anybody can find. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I, it's like it can be found by TSA at the airport. They look really... I don't know how to describe it. It just came out of nowhere. The only way I can think to describe it is it's like if you've been wearing a dress or a skirt for like three to six months and then you reach down one day and then realize it has pockets. <laughs> it feels that good. It's that exciting. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God, where did this come from? I can do so many things. Like I, my cell phone vibrates. This will be great. And I don't know how to deal with the way my body reacts just to the simple act of being turned on. Like, it used to be, like, because people have been asking me with the transition, they're like, so you lived as a man, you had male orgasms, now you live as a woman, have female orgasms, and then, like, like usually people will approach me after a comedy show, it'll usually be, uh, like, a heterosexual-appearing couple, and they're, like, kind of coquettish, like, they're, like, shy about asking, and they're like, so who has, who has better orgasms, men or women? And then I laugh for a little bit, because it's definitely women. Uh, <laughs> Like, it's not even a contest. Sorry, guys. Um, and also, I did not realize that I would now become a character from Greek mythology. So that's cool. Um, and basically, like, when I was... Because I don't think... Here's how good the orgasm is now. I don't think I ever actually had one before. I don't think I did. I think I sneezed from my crotch a few times and called it a night. Like... <laughs> Because that's the thing. Like when I was when I was living as a man, if I got turned on, it was just like a like oh I'm hard. This is great. This is an inconvenience. Now as a woman, if I get turned on, people need to walk away from me for quite a while. <laughs> it's like do not touch me. Things are gonna happen, and then we're stuck here until I can get something to change into. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw Ghostbusters last summer in the theater, and there's a scene in Ghostbusters where Kate McKinnon's character Holtzman, who I apparently just fell in love with for a long time last year, uh, there's a scene where she like licks a bunch of guns, and does a bunch of flips, and does a bunch of fighting, and it is a good thing that I did not have a functioning vagina because I would have drowned the entire theater. <laughs> this is the grossest joke I've ever written in my life. Don't worry. <laughs> I just didn't know. When I was younger, there wasn't a whole lot of information online for things that happened to your body if you were trans. Like, all the trans, like, all the, like, terminology was like, hey, if you don't want to kill yourself, you'll be on hormones. That's the only thing we can tell you. It's like, it's a great narrative for young people. All right. Um, it's better, better now. But, yeah, I, so I would look online for things to find out about myself. And I actually had this weird experience when I was, like, in, like, my puberty, like, my, my adolescent years. I, I didn't know at that age how puberty worked because I hadn't had health class yet. Because like, and then at the time, I'm young enough. I mean, I'm old enough that at that age, we had the internet, but it sucked, right? Like the only questions you could ask the internet were age, sex, and location. <laughs> and for me, that middle one was a lie, so that was tough. But I was, I was looking online one time, and I knew puberty would come. I knew that what happened was if you, you know, people thought if you were a little boy and you had puberty, you became a man. If you were a little girl, you had puberty, you became a woman. That's all I knew about how it worked. And so I got the bright idea that I was somehow going to trick my puberty. Yeah, it didn't work. I'm sorry. I didn't, spoiler alert. I, what, what I thought I would do, I thought I would work out and I would exercise to women's workout videos. And then, <laughs> and then I thought my muscle definition would, would like be like a, la like a strong lady muscle definition. And not, that's what I thought. Would, I'm, I'm not, I didn't say it was going to work. I thought it would. I, did, I worked out to my mom's VHS copy of the Cindy Crawford workout tape. <laughs> And uh, I did it for like a month, y'all. I did it that long thinking it was going to like, and I didn't never picked up like this isn't working out for you. Just like, no, you got to commit to it, you know. And then uh, my mom found the VHS copy of Cindy Crawford's workout in my bedroom, like hidden behind like a, like, a, like a tape tower that I had. And so she obviously assumed what you think you would assume if you found a bikini model workout tape in what you think is your teenage son's bedroom. <laughs> 
my mom thought I discovered masturbation. And I let her believe that was the truth because there's no way I was going to tell her what was really happening at that point in my life. <laughs> I cannot imagine like like 12-year-old me being like, no, mom, I'm not jerking off. I'm just working out trying to become the world's sexiest lady. <laughs> I'm totally fine. So my mom called my bluff because I was like, no, I'm working out. I'm trying to get in shape. I'm trying to get healthier. So my mom called my bluff. She goes, oh, you're working out. You want to get in better shape? All right, well, let me, let me give you this. And she handed me a VHS tape that was called Regis Philbin, My Personal Workout. <laughs> that is a real tape that existed. Somebody in a meeting room somewhere, probably in this city, sat down and said, you guys know whose body everybody wants to have, right? <laughs> Regis Philbin. <laughs> and then they pitched it to Regis Philbin, and he said, sounds like a great idea. It's a real video. And that's also funny because like I went online and Googled it at one point because people kept asking about this bit and it's real. It's a real video. And there's like screenshots from it. And one of the screenshots is just Regis Philbin standing watching a woman on a treadmill. <laughs> that is mid-90s Regis Philbin's personal workouts. <laughs> he might as well be like drinking a beer or eating an ice cream cone. Like, yeah, work out. Like that's like the <laughs> level of it. Uh, that's an older joke, but I'm telling it again now because right now, Umami Burger is serving a Cindy Crawford-themed Umami Burger. It's like a burger that has like like jalapenos and stuff like that on it. So you guys, after the show, if you want, we can all go together and finally get me that Cindy Crawford body. That'll be <laughs> how that works out. Speaking of, of hot bodies, uh, that's a bad segue for this material because it's going to seem really unfeminist about the why I just set that up. But uh, I can't stop thinking about Wonder Woman, you guys. I'm, I can't. I'm, I'm so... Oh, my God. Like, how... I, you, you, give a, you, you give a queer woman that movie, that's like my, my dreams the rest of the month. Like, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm thinking about. Because, like, oh, I'm empowered, and I'm also staring at this woman's face continuously. Like, Gal Gadot is so gorgeous. There's a scene. It's an action movie. I'm not spoiling anything, but there's a scene where she's punching all the men. It's great. And uh, <laughs> she, like, slides across the floor and looks right at the camera and raises an eyebrow. And in that moment, I would do anything she asked of me. <laughs> I would drive her to LAX from Glendale <laughs> at like 5 p.m. on a Friday. No questions asked. And the last thing I'll say about Wonder Woman is that uh, I love that like there was a big deal before the movie came out that there was like a bad marketing plan for it. Like they didn't have enough promotions for it or whatever. And then I think 100% besides it being awesome and women love good movies is that I think the Alamo Drafthouse thing is what made the movie become like a viral hit. I, I do. I think that like we finally cracked the secret to uh, to making a women-driven movie a hit is tell a bunch of angry boys online they're not allowed to see it. <laughs> because now every time any other like lady movie comes out, I'm like, no, it was to see it. I'm like, really? Because I have a lot of screenshots to show you. Congratulations, guys. All right, thank you guys very much. I am Riley Silverman. I'll be up and down all night. I'm your host and MC, um, filling in for the ladies. Um, I want to let you guys know I have a comedy album called Intimate Apparel that is recently re-released, so it's going to be coming out on the 9th, so check that out on your Amazons and your iTunes and stuff like that. And with that out of the way, you guys, your next comedian is awesome. He's actually been on Comedy Central. You guys, give it up for Neil Nanda. Come on. <laughs> Keep it going for Neil Nanda, guys. Give it up for him. I was like right behind a door that I couldn't get open. I'm like, I gotta run. So let you guys know about my process as a host. You guys, your next comic is awesome. She's a favorite all around town. You guys, give it up for Logan Gunselman. Come on. Thank you, guys. Hello, I am Logan. Immediately, I have to confess that I did not go to the Women's March a couple months ago. I went to Planned Parenthood instead because I knew there would not be a wait. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the Planned Parenthood that I go to in my neighborhood has a, a mural in the waiting room with an inspirational quote. And the quote says... For every door that closes, another door opens, opens to new opportunities. You didn't mishear me. There is a typo 
in the inspirational quote on the wall of my Planned Parenthood. And I feel like the artist painted it was like, oh shit. And the owner of the Planned Parenthood was like, no, 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 leave it. They need to know that here it's okay to make mistakes. Speaking of mistakes, I've been noticing uh, this pattern recently. I've been noticing a lot of homeless people wearing Skechers. Something I've noticed. And I feel like what happens is they buy Skechers and then their lives fall apart. That's (laughs) not the other way around. If that upset you, like, please don't follow me to my car later in your shape-ups and just kick me with your well-toned calves. I don't know what you do. They're the adult braces of feet, okay? That's what... So I think... I I shouldn't judge. I, I recently got a text from a guy I used to hook up with. He was texting, you know, just to check in. And he ended the conversation by saying, hey, I gotta go to bed early. I have court in the morning. And I showed it to a friend who very kindly said, oh, is he a lawyer? <laughs> you and I both know that any man who has entered me has not then entered a courtroom for work. That's... <laughs> like, not even a bailiff, you know? Pretty upsetting. I, I don't know. Were you guys excited when, when weed became legal? Was that? Wow. <laughs> you know, I was at a AA, what is it, WA meeting? I don't know what I'm talking about. You guys are like, oh, now I can smoke it. That's what makes it. No, I was excited. But at the time, uh, when you were supposed to, when it came up on the ballot, I had a lot of friends who were like, don't vote for it. It's going to be really heavily taxed going to take away a lot of business from the smaller dispensaries. And I was like, this is the most stoner thing to take the one law that can make weed legal and be like, don't do it. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) I I voted for, I have no problem with big business being involved in my marijuana. Like I'm ready for Kirkland brand weed, you know? (laughs) I think we all want to walk into a Costco on a Sunday have a lady in a hairnet say, excuse me, ma'am, one sample per customer. And just pass. <laughs> so they I like Costco because I'm a, I'm a very broke person. Uh, I'm so broke, I've been buying generic brand cereal. Buying is not the right word. I'm so broke, I've been stealing my roommate's generic brand <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And on the back, it has an activity for kids. It says, fill out your family tree. It's got a place for your parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. And that's funny to me because, like, what kid who's eating generic brand cereal knows who their dad is? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Dope. Okay. Don't feel bad for the kid I made up in that joke. Feel bad for my roommate. He bought it. He's an adult. (laughs) He bought that. Uh, I I watch a lot of the Food Network. Does anyone here watch the Food Network? Cool, okay. Then the three of us are just going to have a conversation for the next minute. Um, There's a show on there called Cooks vs. Cons. It's really great. And uh, it's not Cooks vs. Convicts, which I would still watch. Um, You know, like, one of the judges is like, you know, I'm not a big fan of your marinade, and that's how Guy Fieri gets shanked. That's not... What happens on the show, what it is, it's, it's two professional chefs and then two, like, hobby chefs, and they're competing. Uh, and if, if uh, the hobby chef successfully fools the judge into thinking they're a professional chef, they win. That's how the show works. And it's uh, been so popular, they just came out with a new show called uh, Bakers vs. Fakers, which, as you can imagine, <laughs> two professional bakers, two amateur bakers. And I'm just excited for a show to come out called, like, Surgeons vs. Not Surgeons. <laughs> That's what I want to see. It's like, you're not a surgeon? You are very good with a catheter. That is shocking. That's something I would like. Uh, I'll, here, I'll tell you uh, a, a medical tale about my own body. I know you were waiting for it. Um, I, uh, so for the longest time in my life, I couldn't shit. I couldn't do it. Um, I just didn't go. Um, thank you for laughing at my pain. Um, And uh, it got so bad that my mom took me to a doctor, and the doctor was like, okay, 
we're going to do a medical procedure on you. We're going to put a balloon in your asshole. (laughs) We're going to inflate it. We're going to leave you alone for 10 minutes. If you can poop out the balloon, your butthole works. (laughs) This is... This is a medical procedure. (laughs) Like they've done this before. I hope. (laughs) And like I get that modern medicine is mysterious. There are things about it I'm never going to understand. But what I don't get is why the balloon said happy 21st birthday on it. It came out. That's what I don't get. Here's one more thing, um, and then I'll uh, disappear forever to make sure they didn't tow my car from Gelson's. Um, <laughs> if you walk in and act like you're going to buy something, how can they prove you didn't buy something, right? Okay. I, uh, does anyone remember um, there, there's a, a football player named Jonathan Martin? Does anyone remember? He was on the Miami Dolphins a couple years ago. And uh, he came forward and said that he was being bullied so badly that he had to quit professional football. And fun fact, Jonathan Martin was actually my lab partner in high school. And I found out about this bullying scandal, and I thought, oh, wow, I could have gotten him to do, like, way more of our group projects. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much. You've been great. Keep it going for Logan, everybody. Give it up for her. Keeping it right on moving, you guys. Your next comic has her own special on iTunes called American Cunts. You guys give it up for Jenna Friedman. Come on. Keep it going for Jenna Friedman, guys. Give it up for her. Next comic for you comes all the way from the UK. You guys give it up for Chris Martin. Come on. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm from the UK. This is my accent. You are very welcome. Um, It's weird. It's weird being... I've just moved here. You guys like my accent, which is odd. Like, Americans always, like, wait, creepily so. They're like, it's so charming. Your voice is so charming. I'm like, what, what movies are you watching where this is charming? <laughs> Every time I watch a film and someone sounds like me, it's never charming. It is the voice of pure evil. <laughs> it's never like, would you like a scone? It's more like, burn them, burn them all. <laughs> Steal their land and burn them all, sire. I just moved here like a couple of months ago. I moved to LA because uh, my two favorite things in life are psychics and Brussels sprouts. So it's the city for me. I moved here with my wife. I'm 30 years of age and I'm married. And I feel like I need to mention that because that is weird in LA, being married at 30. It's like being anywhere else on earth and being like, I'm married and I'm nine. That's how it feels. And no, I don't skateboard. I don't do that either or... Smoke weed. We did that till we were 15. Then we grew up in the UK. That's what happened. We got jobs. We sorted our lives out. That's what happened, right? <laughs> Where to win the crowd, Chrissy? Um, never said that out loud before. Don't. Never call myself Chrissy out loud, and I will never do that again. Um, right. So I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about this. I'm married, right? And this is the thing. I feel like... Uh, I'm not sure, and this is like, people complain about marriage. I'm here to convince, I'm very in love. And my wife, right, this is just a fact, I'm not showing off. She is out of my league. She is miles out of my league. And I was trying to work out, if she's out of my league, why did she marry me? And I think I figured out recently, right? Uh, It's because I'm a good boy. (laughs) And her ex-boyfriend of 10 years was a bad boy. And that's when the good boy thrives, isn't it? Like a lot of people say, nice guys finish last. Not if you hang around long enough. (laughs) Then you mop up. That's what happens. When women are tired of getting stung by bees, they get themselves some Benadryl. Am I right? (laughs) Too much spicy food, get a glass of milk, bitches. That's where this guy comes into his own. I met her late 20s. Late 20s is the perfect time to meet your partner. She changed her priorities. Like early 20s, she wanted to go with like a motorbike and tattoos. Now, reliable family car and Spotify premium. Thank you very much. 
he's a he's a proper bad boy, by the way. Like I tell you how I know. I've seen a photo. Have you ever been shown a photo? If your current partner's ex, it's very intimidating. Like, she showed me the photo, and I think I was supposed to be like, screw that guy. But I looked at it, and I was like, he is a cool dude. He really is. <laughs> Wonder if he wants to hang out with me sometime. He is dreamboat. He really is. Like, he, he, was in a, he was in a band. He has tattoos, piercings. He's got piercings. Mate, the only thing in my life I've ever pierced is a microwavable meal from Trader Joe's. That's the only thing I've ever pierced. I think I'm being brutally honest with myself now. I think when I break down a percentage, I think my wife has married me uh, 20% because she loves me, but 80% because her mum really loves me. Like, honestly, just, I'm not showing off, but I am a mum whisperer, honestly. Day one, hello, mummy, come on, Downton Abbey on box set, come on. Free Tupperware, come on, mummy. Her mum loves me, even her auntie loves me. Right? If you want to make an auntie love you, it's a bit like a mum, but with a hint more sexual tension. Only... <laughs> Don't do anything, just bend with the back, not the knees. Give them something to look at. Sorry, front row for that. But... And I feel like, this is the thing, I imagine there's not that many married people. I feel like I'm not trying to alienate unmarried people. I just want to just be the bearer of what happens. No one tells you the, the day-to-day changes when you get married. And genuinely, I've only noticed one thing changes when you go from like relationship that's just together to then marriage. And the only thing I've noticed that changes, it's not like the honesty or the trust. The only thing I've noticed that changes is when you get married, uh, you then inherit two more old people you legally have to show technology to. That's it. <laughs> Every Christmas, Roy, just press source, source, top left, source, source. The word is source, Roy. It says top source, source. Please, Roy, for the love of God, press source. So, yeah, okay, yeah, write it down in your little book. Okay, yep. Down, down, Roy, down, down, down. Why is it going up? Well, then turn the remote around, Roy. Down, down. Now press source because you've taken so long. It's gone off the screen, Roy, hasn't it? Is that a thing that only my generation have complained about, older people not being good at technology? Is it because we're spoiled, or has that always happened when new technology's been invented? Like when fire got invented, were their kids going, Grandad, it's like that with the sticks, Grandad. It's like that. It's rubby, rubby, not smashy, smashy. How's that gonna go and draw another rubbish painting in the cave then? Okay, mate, all right. Do you know that's very, it's very spoiled to complain. I'm trying to enjoy. I'm trying to enjoy showing technology to my in-laws. Enjoy that moment. Yeah. So every time in life, I feel like important or special. Like, because if you think about it, like people of my generation, they're harder to impress. Like people under 35 in the room, I love you, but you guys have seen too much. Do you know what I mean? Like, I could levitate right now. And people under 35 would be like, I saw like a documentary about that <laughs> on my phone this morning. So. <laughs> Just flick that switch, enjoy that moment. The other day I was at my mother-in-law's, I copied and pasted something. She thought I was Bill Gates, it was awesome. She could be a sorcerer for the next month, it's awesome. Just a little, little cheat code for life, genuinely. Like the older the demographic you're hanging out with, the easier it is to feel like special inside. Like genuinely, like I visit my great aunt in the UK. I visit her once a month and every time I visit her, I always bring her like a, she's 92. Cute, sweet, still with it, can't get out of the house anymore. Every time I visit her, I bring her like a sandwich, makes her day, just a sandwich. Last month I saw her, I thought, right, I'm gonna upgrade this, see what happens. I brought her sushi. She didn't even know what that was. I gave it to her, blew her mind, told her which country it came from, almost cured her racism, yeah. How do I want to end this? I'll tell you this last little thing. This is, this is a, just a... When it comes to getting married, people worry you're going to be boring. It's not the case. Here's how I know that. I had uh, one argument with my wife in the build-up, and it was over the venue we had. She wanted Venue 1, because Venue 1 we looked at had loads of history to it, beautiful ornate architecture, lovely artwork, whereas I wanted Venue number 2, purely because at Venue number 2 for £200, uh, which I think is $200 uh, after Brexit, so cheers, my government... <laughs> For £200, genuinely, you could get an owl to deliver your wedding room. <laughs> genuinely, an owl. When I heard that, I was like, let's not have a wedding, let's have an owl festival, that's quality. <laughs> Best thing was, the guy wasn't even excited, he was bored, he was used to it. We're walking around the building, he's like, blah, 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 that's your organ, blah, 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 for £200, an owl, we'll fly in the room. I was like, hang on, mate, go back a slip. Did you just say an owl? Is it the winged... I thought you were a priest, but clearly, you are a wizard. That is amazing. <laughs> Imagine being at that wedding not knowing what's about to happen. You're sitting there, it's wedding eight of the year, you're bored, people are dressed smart. 
bride looks beautiful. You then hear the priest say, may we now have the rings? You then look up and see the best man put on a huge leather glove. <laughs> it's a medieval gold. Whoop! Lands it. Even the priest would be like, Jesus Christ. That was amazing. How good would it be? Just for that mon- one moment where the priest goes, any objections? The owl then 180s the room. <laughs> any crying babies? Wah! Get taken. That'd be phenomenal. I'm excited. I'm going to have an owl at my wedding. My wife goes, it's a bit out of a budget. And I'm like, it's not out of a budget. It's, it's £200. And I've actually got a £500 animal fund set aside, especially. <laughs> we have got 300 left over to put a pig in a tuxedo. We're good to go. Good value. That 200 for an owl is a bargain. It genuinely is. Because everything when you get married is expensive. Like, genuine wedding cakes. That was the most ridiculous one, honestly. When I got shown wedding cakes in the build-up, cheapest one I got shown, 600. 600 for pudding. <laughs> and I'm there going, the only way a wedding cake is worth 600 pounds is if you cut it open and three owls fly out. <laughs> and they deliver cake to every single person. And I get all these negative people go, don't spend the money. What if you spend the money? Then you get a divorce. Don't get me wrong, gentlemen. I'd be devastated if I got divorced. But if those divorce papers got delivered by an owl, that would just take the edge off. (laughs) Guys, you've been a lot of fun. See you guys around soon, man. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it going for Chris Martin. Put your hands. Give it up for him. The nice thing about a British comedian versus American comedian, besides the accent, is that he just did like a big chunk of owl material without knowing Tootsie Roll pop references whatsoever in order to get that kind of hacky shit out of there. So that's fantastic. (laughs) One more time for Chris Martin, guys. Give it up for him. Speaking of the, of, of the UK and that awkward segue I just did there, uh, your next comedian actually has an hour special you can actually hear on the BBC. It's called Peer Group. You guys give it up for Alex Edelman. Come on. Hello. Hello. Yeah, not British, sadly. You know, because I'm not dressed well. Chris, we're in a suit. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was in the U... <laughs> for a minute um, uh, and uh, it's really nice and I'll talk about that at the end um, I was writing on this television show here that got cancelled uh, it's called The Great Indoors that's why no, that's why I got cancelled and uh, it was on CBS so tiny indie show and it, it was my first adult job and at the end of it I had $8,241 in a bank account and it was the first time I'd ever seen a positive balance on uh, an ATM screen, and I swear to God, with no irony, when I saw it on an ATM screen for the first time, I thought to myself, with no irony, I should buy a house. (laughs) Completely serious, and I thought like, oh sure, like celebrities live in $12 million houses, but you can probably like get a small house for like (laughs) $8,000. That's how far away I was from buying a house. And you're like, hmm, did you check this ATM screen in Norman, Oklahoma? No. I checked it in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn, and I Googled, how much does a house cost? (laughs) How is any millennial ever going to own a home? How is anyone our age ever going to own a home? It's fucking insane. It's made me hate old people now. I hate old people. If you're old and you're seeing this or listening to this, I want you to die. Because every old person is the same. They're like, my house is worth $4 million, but when I bought it in 1962, I paid 11 chickens for it. It's like, fuck you. I live in Echo Park with four roommates in an envelope. In every house you see in New York or Los Angeles is amazing, but there is one unbelievable drawback. There'll be one unbelievable. You'll be shown around the house, and they're like, "Is there?" Wa-? And you're like, "Is there a washer dryer?" They're like, "There is a washer dryer, and it's got a wonderful view, um, and there is overhead lighting." And you're like, "Oh, cool. Is there anything like wrong with the house?" And you're like, "Well, sometimes the lock sticks when you like to put the key in a little bit, but you jiggle a little bit also. Like we have the goblin problem." And then there, and you're like. A- what do you mean the goblin problem? And like, oh yeah, after 10 o'clock at night, it's just lousy with goblins. But still. 
every kid I know, every person my age I know is just like, you know, living in a tiny apartment with, a, with like a landlord who stabbed them twice. And it's made me so angry. I see everything through the lens of someone who can never own a home. Like I was flying here and like I was watching the screen across the aisle for me because I never make the right decisions on my own. So I'm like, I wonder what that nine-year-old child picked. And... <laughs> this kid was watching Spongebob Squarepants and I'm sitting there on a jet blue flight getting so worked up because I'm watching the show and I'm like this fucking sponge owns his own pineapple (laughs) he has a two story pineapple near the beach I was so close to leaning over and pointing at the screen and going, that's not realistic, you know that. He works in a fast food place. He can't afford the mortgage. Um, I think the only brave people left are Republicans. Hold on. It's so easy to be liberal. We're right. (laughs) Who's the brave person? The person who's like, I think all people should have equal rights. I think we should feed the the homeless. I think we should house the homeless. I think everyone who's sick should get health care. Who's the brave person? The person who thinks that very logical thing or the person who's like, nah. And you're like, you don't, you don't think women should be paid the same? And they're like, not only that, I don't think it's a problem and I don't think it's real. And you're like, you're a very brave human being. <laughs> Who looked at Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump and was like, I want the insane orange guy <laughs> with the misspelled tweets. I'd be like, you're the bravest person I know because I wouldn't trust that guy with anything. But if that's your person... Like, I am so frustrated. Like, I went into a yogurt place yesterday on Santa Monica Boulevard, which is the whitest thing I've ever said. (laughs) And there was a sign that said, we serve people of all races, religions, and orientations. And I was like, oh, you mean you're cool with the law? (laughs) How brave of you to be cool with the fucking law. Sorry, no, no, don't clap for that. All right, I got to tell you two quick things and then leave. Um, I, hey, um, remember Ashton Kutcher? He's still alive. I had no idea. My friend Mark, I found this out from my friend Mark. He works for Ashton Kutcher. And my, first of all, Ashton Kutcher, if you don't remember him, um, around, he hosted uh, a, a prank show and in 2004, and my favorite prank was where he convinced an entire country that he could read. And he's a very, very simple human being. And he was the star of a movie uh, where the only non-porno movie where the plot of the movie is also the title of the movie, Dude, Where's My Car? And my friend Mark was like, he's a very smart guy. I was like, he's not a smart guy. He's like, he created, he created punked. Do you know that? I'm like, of course he created it. The title's misspelled. Like, I knew he created it. (laughs) And here's what he told me. Ashton Kutcher's net worth is $394 million. And you're like, what? (laughs) I hope right now you're thinking, like, how? Does anyone know? Because he invested in. He invested in Uber, which means that for him, Dude, Where's My Car is not just the movie, but also a business plan that has made him more money than he deserves. Dude, Where's My Car? Amir is four minutes away. So, and this is the last thing I'll tell you, and it's the first time I'm talking about it, so I'm sorry if it fucking sucks. But, um... I know Chris, and I know some other British folks because uh, I've, I love the UK. I go there a bit. And uh, this guy who was on our show, this dude named Stephen Fry, the guy who was on the CBS show, he's like the smartest dude I've ever met. And he was hosting the British Oscars, this thing called the BAFTAs, and I had never heard of it. And because I was writing on the show, he went, would you like to come write on the BAFTAs? And I didn't know what that was. I was like, I know nothing about free trade agreements. But like, if you need help, <laughs> like, I'll totally come. And I called this lady who is running the show. 
And she said, um, uh, Steven says he'll be glad to help out. And then at the end of our conversation, I said, I know this is super tacky. I'm so sorry to ask, but it's like, you know, I need money. Like, what's the fee for this kind of thing? And she went, this is what she said. She went, oh, you're young. And I was like, yes, my hearing, my hearing is excellent. But like, I totally missed where you told me how much it was going to be getting paid. And she said, this is the kind of thing someone like you does for exposure. And I was like, is that the thing that like homeless people die of? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> like no I need to eat and she said it's an experience you should do it and I did I did it I felt really shitty about it and by the way I don't own a tuxedo I was gonna wear something like this and my girlfriend's a stylist and she's like you are not wearing a hoodie to an award show and she arranged me like a rented tuxedo and like I got it for free as long as I took a photo and like tweeted it and like I felt so gross and I had never worn a tux before and it's like uh, I've never worn a bow tie and it's like strangling me the whole time and she's like that's how you know it fits and like I went and here's the thing they did not want me there they didn't want me there and all the jokes I pitched were too mean and I knew it was going to be a bad night because my first joke was Mel Gibson was there and he was nominated for this movie called Hacksaw Ridge which is about a guy who doesn't like guns and joins the army. I mean, which is fine, but like if you're Amish, don't become a bus driver. And, uh, <laughs> and I wanted it, them to say this joke, and they were like, we can't say it. Here's the joke. It was, Mr. Gibson, you've made a wonderful film about the truly persecuted religious group from World War II, the Christians. <laughs> and they're like, we can't say that for so many reasons. <laughs> And then they're like, don't talk to any of the celebrities. Don't pitch any more jokes. But then I realized something. You can't be fired from a job you're not being paid for. <laughs> so I went out of the room to go pitch the jokes to the celebrities themselves. Um, and I'll tell you two, and then I'll leave. Um, there were two actors presenting together. One's, one's name is Ray Spall. I've never heard of him. And the other is a guy named Jamie Dornan, who was in the Fifty Shades of Grey movie. And they were together about to go on stage. I was like, guys, I have a great joke for you. Okay, so Rafe, 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 you go on and you say, Jamie, you and I have a lot in common. And then Jamie Dornan, you'll go, oh, which is more dialogue than is in the entire Fifty Shades of Grey movie. <laughs> and, oh. What's that? And then Ray Spall will say, um, you're in the new Fifty Shades of Grey movie, and I can't reach completion without being spanked. And the nominees are, and they were like, who are you? Why are you here? And the other is, um, Emily Blunt and Stanley Tucci were presenting together, and I wanted them to come out and point at Meryl Streep and go, Meryl, between the three of us, um, we have a Devil Wears Prada reunion that everyone can love. One without Anne Hathaway. And, <laughs> and then Staley Tucci said Anne Hathaway was uh, my wife's maid of honor. And I said, I'm sure that was difficult for her not being the center of attention. <laughs> and uh, at some point in the night, Prince William walks up. And I thought three things very quickly. I thought... Um, he should shave it. Uh, <laughs> should shave it. Uh, the second thought was, no one's prepared me what to do in this instance. And, uh, oh, fucking yikes. And uh, the last thought was, what happens if you shit in a rented tuxedo? And I'm, I, I said to him, uh, your highness, would you like to go over your speech? And he ignored me because apparently they're supposed to talk to you first. <laughs> And then 30 seconds later, he went, hi, I'd like to go over my speech, please. And out loud, I said, what is happening? <laughs> He's about to go on stage. The whole small, he, like there was 10 minutes of awkward silence and like he tried to make small talk. He's like, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Boston. And then I was so close to being like, sorry for all the shit with the tea. And, <laughs> and he says, um, and as he's about to go on stage, I did what any like young person would do. I pulled out my phone and opened up the camera. I was like, "Your Highness, would you mind? Um, I, I know it's so tacky, but like, would you mind like taking a photo of me? Because if I tweet it, I get the tuxedo for free." So, <laughs> all right, you guys have been cool. Sorry about that last thing. I'm Alex Edelman. See you later. Uh, keep it going for Alex Edelman, guys. Give it up for him. Uh, he apologized to me at the end for that last bit like I was going to be like well we really let us all down how dare you <laughs> it was funny too because after my set Alex came up to me in the, in the back and he was just being nice and being friendly and he goes hey I really like that Jufro bit <laughs> I don't know if you guys were here earlier when I did comedy but I did not do a Jufro bit 
this is just what my hair looks like, and I talked about it. <laughs> and like anybody but Alex Edelman, that might have been offensive, but he was literally wearing a yarmulke when he said it, so I had to be like, well, fair enough. That's actually pretty accurate about my hair. That's fine. Uh, I have exciting. I'm dating someone right now, which is awesome. I haven't dated anyone in a long time. Uh, I've had. I've had a lot more luck dating since the election because I am a lesbian and I have a new pickup line, which is, do you want to piss off Mike Pence together? Because <laughs> we're his worst nightmare together. A trans woman and a lesbian, like, we'll go to the bathroom everywhere we go and it'll be fantastic. Um, <laughs> before that, my pickup line was, do you want to convince your dad that you're straight at Christmas time? Because uh, he won't understand the nuance of gender. Thank you, one guy, for getting that joke. That's... The <laughs> It's a lot harder to explain to the girl, which is why that didn't work for me. Uh, it's weird because I've been dating her, and we've been dating for about a month now. And then we recently, we're still dating, but we did. I, I can't call her my girlfriend yet. I have to call my lady friend because we had, we had a conversation about how, like, we're not ready to use the word girlfriend yet. And I'm like, I thought the whole point of being a woman dating women is not to have to have that conversation ever again in my life. Because <laughs> I don't know. It was weird to suddenly, like, be afraid of commitment because we literally talked about our thoughts on marriage the first time we had sex because that's how two women make each other come. But, uh, like, but we totally did have that conversation. It wasn't like about us getting married, it was our thoughts about marriage in general. And she was like, yeah, I don't know if I wanna get married or not. And I'm like, I, I definitely wanna get married. And I'm like, because we had a lot of marches to get the right to do it. So I feel like obligated to do it at this point. Like, it'd be real shitty to be like, yeah, I'm a lady and I can get married to other ladies now, but I'm gonna take a breather on that. That's fine, I'm just gonna chill over here for a little bit. Good, good job with the marching though. Good job, that Supreme Court case. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I should have ended without making women come joke. You're right. That's how that joke should end from now on in the future. <laughs> now I learned the hard way. It's just, I, it's, it's been great. I'm in, I'm in better shape. I, I'm happier with my body, which is why I think it's easier to date. And because uh, before, too, it was always tough being a trans lesbian to date because a lot of people didn't know we came in that flavor. And we do. Uh, people didn't understand that gender identity and sexuality were two different things and they could overlap. And also, people aren't turned on by Venn diagrams. <laughs> as I found out when I uploaded one to OkCupid. Uh, <laughs> but like after a while, it was, it was easier, instead of explaining my identity, it'd be easier if on a first date I was just Frankenstein's monster. Like I could have done that better. Like listen, before we order drinks, I should let you know that technically I am seven corpses sewn together. <laughs> I like how you all, like it's like that's the end of my joke. My life is sad, thank you. <laughs> life is horrible, anyway, good night. That's not, that's fine. That's just like, Listen, I am seven corpses sewn together, but it's totally fine. Like, I'm totally alive, like my dad told me. <laughs> He's a doctor, so. Well, he didn't so much tell me as he screamed at the heavens when I was born, but. <laughs> Just saying, I got the gist of it. And you're probably thinking, Riley, if you were Frankenstein's monster, uh, wouldn't you speak in like monosyllables and like one words? No, I wouldn't. That's a movie stereotype. Thank you very much. <laughs> You guys ever actually read Frankenstein? The monster was like real eloquent. He tells like half the story. Wow, when I lose you, I lose you. It's weird, like I'll have this ride. I made fun of this person. You guys are like, yeah, she's mean. Then I'm like, oh, she's sad about herself again. Then we're gonna move on. I am, I'm in like the best shape that I've been in in several years, which is great. And I, I actually, I recently booked a TV gig, which is cool. And I'm doing stuff like that. And then somebody, I was like excited, like, oh, it doesn't come my way. This is great. And somebody was like, oh, that's amazing because you're such an important voice and people need to see you on TV. And that is the worst thing to say to a person who is working in the most narcissistic industry that exists on the planet. Because now suddenly I went from being someone who's like, oh, I do comedy and occasionally get TV gigs to someone more like, it's really important that I'm on TV all the time. <laughs> Like, it went from being like, oh, I didn't get the part I wasn't right for it, to why is this casting director trying to stop the revolution? <laughs> All right, thank you guys very much. Uh, I'm ready to bring up your last comic. You guys excited? <laughs> All right. She is awesome. She has been on At Midnight. She has been on Conan. You guys, we love her here. Dulce Sloan, everybody. Come on. <laughs> Hello. And I wipe the microphone on my titties, not because I'm rude, but because people are gross. You ever been on a show with 15 people and put the same thing in your face? No, you haven't. People are nasty. 
I brought my purse on stage because I don't give a fuck who's president. I don't trust white people ever. <laughs> Especially you hipster motherfuckers. I'm not gonna pay for your vegan salad. Get the fuck out of my face. I work too hard to buy shrimp. Fuck you, dude. I uh, just got back home. I mean, I just got back here from home. I was in uh, Atlanta and uh, thank you. And um, it was interesting to go back home after living here for a couple, I've been, because I've been home since November and it was interesting to go back after being here for a while because um, it was fun to talk to white people who didn't have an agenda or talk to white people who've met black people before. Oh. Cause like people are like, like, oh the South is so racist. They like, get yeah, we perfected it. Like we just boiled it down to its true essence, but it's a racism I can respect. Cause there's plenty of old racist white men, but that motherfucker will hold a door. I'll tell you that right now. He'll hold a door, tell me I look nice today. Not you liberal motherfuckers. <laughs> to worry to offend somebody, oh, I don't wanna, oh, you know, she's a woman, I can't hold the, hold the motherfucking door. <laughs> you stepped through it before I did, I'm right behind you. You're not taking away anything from me as a woman by just taking two seconds to go, you good? not losing my feminine powers by you not letting the door fall on me. That, I think we can all agree. It's just being raised right. Thank you people who've met Southerners before. Um, I did go home and get my hair done because I have yet to really um, see more than seven black people in LA. And, because I live in Highland Park, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. Um, <laughs> until three black Lyft drivers told me that I wasn't supposed to. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, Highland Park. They're like, to visit. <laughs> no, auntie, I don't know this lady, but she's over 50, so I'm calling her auntie. Um, <laughs> I got old black dude's uncle. I don't give a fuck. I'm fine. Uh, I'm like, no, I see. I live there. She's like, oh, girl, no. We don't live there. No one told me. No one stopped me. He was like, excuse me, young black woman. Hey, uh, you don't want these problems. Because another dude, like an OG black dude who I love, because I love gang members, and I really do. Ugh. He uh, was like, so uh, you ain't having no problems out there, are you? I was like, what? <laughs> like, you good? I'm like, I might have to get this dude's number just in case I'm not good. What does he know that, <laughs> what does he know that I don't know? And uh, he's like, nah, back in the day, it used to be real rough out there. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you good? I was like, well, I live above a vegan restaurant <laughs> next to a record store a block from a record store, <laughs> across the street from a barbershop slash cafe slash record store. <laughs> I think I'm fine. I didn't know there was enough hipsters to support that much vinyl in Highland Park. He's like, what? I was like, listen, Unc, there's hot yoga and CrossFit. The white people don't showed up. I'm good. It's a vegan restaurant. They have to be safe. They don't eat enough protein to protect themselves. <laughs> but no, I didn't have to go home to get my hair done because like, like I said, I live in Island Park, which is fine because I grew up in a predominantly Latino neighborhood in Atlanta. I speak Spanish, I'm gonna make it. But uh, I, like my first couple, my first year here, I probably didn't see more than like nine or 10 black people, you know, until I went to the airport. And, <laughs> All I ever say is, white people, I'm gonna warn you. If black people decide not to go to work one day, all of us, this to show you our economic power, you motherfuckers. Um, no airport will function because think about every major city you've been to, you're like, oh, all the TSA is black. All the people telling the planes to leave and land is black. 
Everybody getting luggage is black. These niggas get pissed. We fucked. <laughs> so just remember that. But I was in the Target in Glendale one day and I saw a black lady and got really excited. And I stopped her and I said, um, excuse me, ma'am, where are the rest of us? Because <laughs> I didn't know. And she's like, oh girl, you gotta go to like Compton or Inglewood. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I don't wanna go to rap music places to see black people. Can you tell me where the brunching Negroes are? <laughs> I'm a mimosa nigga myself. Uh, <laughs> pomegranate, because I was raised right. Can you? <laughs> Been eating quiches at age six. Help me, lady, help me, yeah. She's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, lady, you're in Target. I wouldn't ask you if we were in a Walmart. confusing. I went home and got my hair done and because uh, I could trust those black people because I've seen them before. And I wanted something real cute, something kind of different, you know, because, you know, it's like pilot season's over and it's summertime, blah, 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 blah. And I got braids put in and it's got purple and like a dark purple and lilac on the bottom. And I didn't know I'd made a mistake because I, listen, I'm second generation suburbs. <laughs> And I didn't know that I had purchased hood bitch hair. I didn't know that. <laughs> I have purple and light purple and acrylic nails. And I smoke Newports. <laughs> I'm fucked. I got him buying Impala now. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't get the white man I want with this hair because if it's a white girl walking around with purple and light hair, you're like, oh, she's artsy. <laughs> If you see me walk around with this, like, oh, there's an apostrophe in her name. <laughs> I can't get the white man I want with this. Very specific white man I'm looking for. Got his polo shirt rolled up to the elbows. Khakis or Easter colored pants on. Boat shoes nowhere near the water. I can't get that white dude with purple hair and acrylic nails. I'm gonna end up with a white dude with a fade. <laughs> Who only has black friends. Named Tyler. Why is that dude always named Tyler? <laughs> like when you meet a white girl named Crystal, you're like, you know she's gonna be overweight, smoke Newports, have mixed kids, and drive an Impala. That's what the bitch is. <laughs> It's weird because Tyler smoked Newports, has mixed kids, and drives an Impala. Then they won't date each other. <laughs> so if y'all have a nice, maybe a nice Jewish man who, you know, wants to piss off the granddad, <laughs> call me. <laughs> Bye, thank you. Keep it going for Dulce Sloan, everybody. Give it up for her. Give it up for all the comics you saw tonight. Alex Edelman, Chris Martin, Logan Gunselman, Jenna Friedman, Neil Nanda. I am your host, Rowie Silverman. Come back next week. Cam and Rhea will be back next week. Uh, listen to the podcast on Feral Audio. You guys, thank you very much. Have a great night. Drive safely. Thank Put you. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Hey, this
This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.